Women Taking the Lead, episode 31. So I would go back, uh, particularly to uh, to that point, and probably reassess my uh, my expectations of myself and, and not uh, allow myself to be too concerned <laughs> with other people's expectations uh, of me. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Deborah Parker, who is chief inspirer, author, and speaker of the DPJ training group based in Leesburg, Virginia. For over 15 years, she has specialized in result-focused programs on leadership, career, and diversity management for public and private sector clients. She is also adjunct faculty at the Federal Executive Institute in Charlottesville, providing performance coaching and learning facilitation for senior government leaders. In her work, Deborah blends experiences as an Army Reserve officer and corporate manager with a bachelor's in sociology from the College of William and Mary, plus a master's in human resource development from George Mason University. Deborah, that's just a little bit of info for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Okay. Yeah, I was um, I was born uh, the oldest child of, I say, a determined uh, single parent in a rural town in Virginia. And the reason why this is important uh, is because that's really where my leadership started. Uh, for anyone else out there who's an oldest child, particularly if you're the oldest child of a single parent, the words accountability and responsibility would probably resonate uh, with you. But that's certainly what I heard from my mother and uh, my leadership duties included helping my siblings with their homework, interfacing with uh, some of the challenges uh, we had in our neighborhood and playing with other kids. The only thing I didn't have was banking privileges. So <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't too happy about that. But again, the piece of my mother was a very determined and loving single parent. And from her, I learned just ways to make things happen. I never heard her complain, never heard her make excuses. And those two things kind of shape <laughs> a lot of how I uh, I interact with my clients and friends and in other settings now. Wow. So you learned very early on how to take charge of a situation. Yes. 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 (laughs) And I come from a big family, so I know, and I'm in the middle, so I know what it's like when the older siblings are like, this is the way it's going. Uh (laughs) And you fall in line pretty quickly. Uh So, (laughs) So Deborah, you've clearly had success in your life and you've gained confidence. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you learned. When I uh, I did six years on active duty uh, and then I left to go into the corporate sector and I went into a management training program uh, in the uh, gas and oil industry. And I found that uh, my military experience, which was one of the reasons why the company had hired me, I didn't emphasize that as much as I, I, I went about learning about how things uh, operated in the organization or even forming the 
the relationships. This was uh, back in the 1980s, and I won't say the, that the uh, the military, particularly the army, had a bad reputation, but you know there was still in, uh, there was still a lot of stereotypes and generalizations about people being in the military. One that you know we would be bossy and try to take over. So uh, as I said, I didn't really build on that experience as I tried to learn that particular industry. If I went back, I would I would certainly you know, let some of that kick in because. Once I was in the army, I heard the same terms that my mother used uh, with me growing up about being in charge, and that is to be responsible and uh, accountable. Uh, also, another trait I learned back then was was to be resourceful, and those three things again would certainly have probably helped me learn that industry a lot better. So it sounds like in this experience um, in the oil industry, you didn't want to be labeled because of your military experience, so you downplayed yes. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And how does that change how you go about things now? Oh, now I promote it. <laughs> I, you know, it sometimes takes a bit of reflection. Uh, this At this point, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and uh, I'm a few years beyond that now. And, uh, you know, life life has ways of, of teaching you. And uh, I'm also a uh, spiritual uh, woman of faith. And uh, God has ways of uh, making sure that everything that he has put in your life has has purpose. Uh, and I found that to be the case uh, in, uh, in particularly the last probably 20 years. Mm. And, you know, and I think that's just an important message for everybody. Don't deny your past. Mm -hmm. You know, don't deny your history because there's a lot of strength and a lot of value mm -hmm. in your prior experiences. Don't worry about stereotypes because you can be the one who changes them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. that. And uh, and actually, I'll, I'll say this uh, this program that I'm working with, as you mentioned, uh, with the Federal Executive Institute, there's a piece in the program where um, the executives actually have to reflect on those beginnings and actually do a, a mini autobiography <laughs> during the, mm -hmm. the course. And the, uh, the output, the result is just what you said. How do you find strength? from the good and bad pieces of your uh, your life and, and find ways to reconcile it as, as well. Mm, you know, and just from my own experience in, in the development of this podcast, I found myself talking more about my past, the family I grew up in, you know, we were poor, it was a large family, grew up Catholic. Those were all things I really didn't talk about that much. I was not ashamed of those things at all. If people asked, I would tell them, but it's not something I promoted. And now that I'm promoting it as a part of my identity and being the host of this podcast, I actually have had more people reach out to me to say, we have similar backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, they feel closer and more connected to me because of that. Uh -huh. And that really is the the, the benefit and, and the joy, I would say, uh, as a part of this, uh, this process. And I've talked about my military experience, but there were other parts of my, uh, my upbringing that I find now that I I also use, I won't say as a badge of, of courage, but they are very solid reminders that, you know, those who've gone before could do what they did in the midst of some very challenging circumstances. Yeah, you know, I can certainly press on through some of the things that I encounter now. So um, even from a resource standpoint, because the other part of how I grew up, certainly poor, my mother was a domestic and then she worked in a factory and uh, we actually lived with my maternal grandparents as well. And until I left for college, I lived in a house that didn't have indoor plumbing. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I jokingly tell people that's why I wanted to go to college, because I heard they had bathrooms inside. 
and I wanted to experience that. So, but I've taken some pieces of that, and actually I do some motivational talks uh, around uh, resourcefulness and using that as a base, and I also do some things around motivation that I kind of glean from being in a home with no indoor plumbing and some of the, the chores that uh, I had to do as a part of that, uh, that structure. Wow. Okay. Now, Deborah, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. Okay. As I mentioned, I when I left active duty, I went into the uh, the oil and gas industry. And I was actually, again, capitalizing on my uh, my beginnings uh, as an oldest child, as well as my, my time in the Army and those responsible, rec- accountable uh, concepts. I went to... Uh, uh, an organization where I supervised, uh, actually, uh, truck drivers. <laughs> and um, the other piece is two of my uncles growing up were truck drivers, so I felt a connection uh, uh, with them. And I also found myself looking at the process uh, a lot. And I, I just said, I really detest not treating people well. And probably within a few months uh, into the job, I had this epiphany. Uh, and that was that I was going to become a consultant <laughs> and uh, help people to treat people better, uh, particularly when they are leaders uh, in an organization. So um, shortly after that, I left my position uh, with the uh, the company. And uh, actually, the wake up call came uh, when I kind of actually went down into, as I said, the valley for a bit. and found myself questioning whether or not I had made the best use of my my education and my uh, experiences and then you know the, the vision to to start a leadership consult uh, practice so I got busy uh, after I kind of came up out of the valley and did some informational uh, interviewing uh, with people who already had consulting practices I, I bought a book uh, how to succeed as an independent consultant and uh, just kind of kept my eyes open uh, to uh, any type of opportunity to learn more about the process. So I was living maybe two hours outside of Washington, D.C. at the time, but in a Washington Post, a Sunday Washington Post, I saw an ad for this professor who was going to teach you how to start your business as well. So I drove up to the D.C. area for that and connected very well with the uh, professor and actually went up going there to get my master's degree (laughs) So uh, so one thing started to lead to another, and I found that it was very important to have the network and just even from other things I was involved in, whether it was book clubs or going to the gym, found connections who eventually led me to pick up pieces of, of, of work. So I was very focused and determined. Again, I mentioned you know, being raised by a determined mother. And you know, once that, that vision kicked in, just you know, put my all into that. And at this point, I've been doing this on and off for 20 years now. Wow. Okay, Deborah, I have a feeling the gold in your story was in the part you glossed over. So I'm going to take you back. Okay, there. All right. <laughs> you talked about being in the valley, yep. you had your wake up call in the valley. Yep. And it's great that you had the wake up story, the wake up call, and you you followed it and all these things started unfolding. Mm-hmm. But what I'm missing is 
what was happening in the Valley? Because I'm sure there are women who are listening to this podcast right now and they're there. Mm -hmm. They're where you were at that time. What was going on for you and what was the wake up call and what led to it? Like what, what was the impetus that had you suddenly realized you needed to go in this direction? Yeah, well, I I mentioned that I had questioned whether or not I had kind of wasted or squandered my my education, particularly because of my humble beginnings. I had done done very well, you know, with getting my college degree, having been an army officer uh, on active duty. I'd been in corporate America, had, you know, some of the other material trappings, they say, of success, you know, a nice apartment, a nice car. Uh, but then I found that it wasn't enough. And again, because I had at that point, like I said, I wasn't, I maybe I had just turned 30 or so, asking myself what was behind the movement. You know, the reason why I didn't stay longer in, in the Army, the reason why I, I, I didn't particularly like some of the things that were happening in corporate America. And then personally, I had also set a goal that I was going to be married by the time I was 30. So. And I already picked out a name for my first child. <laughs> so, so expectations uh, had also led me down that, uh, that path. And also to be transparent, some of my family and friends, again, they kind of piled on to the questioning. And others might identify with this. When you're the person in the family who has achieved more than your, your parents or your grandparents, there can also be some pressure you know, there. And I, I, I know I let the pressure get to me that I put on myself, as well as uh, that that was coming from family and friends. So people, there were people who were actually saying that, you know, I may not recover uh, from, from this. And sometimes that's all it takes is for somebody to say that it's over for me. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a question that may come up later, but because of that, I have a mantra that says, never count yourself out, even when other people do. So there's something inside of me when somebody tells me I can't do it or it won't happen, then I become very determined to show them that I will, <laughs> mm-hmm. I can, and I I will. I, I sometimes compare it to, uh, you know, like in high school, <laughs> uh, where you have, uh, as I said, naysayers or what have you. It's like, oh, watch me now. Watch me now. And that has actually happened a few times in my life since then, because I certainly heard it when... Uh, I said, oh, I'm going to start a business. I said, who's going to pay you <laughs> to talk? And uh, when I decided to write books, who's going who's gonna to buy your book? That's all it takes. Okay, watch me now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. count yourself out. So not listening uh, to all those, those pressures and people whose life perspective, <laughs> again, may not be the same as, same as yours. Absolutely. And what was the wake up call that made you realize that you were meant to do consulting and help people in their leadership? When I was at this company and again, I, then I started seeing some things that I, I just didn't didn't like. And it was just interesting. I was actually visiting a friend and uh, it was during the summer. We were on her deck and the vision came right then and there. I said, you're going to be a consultant. You're going to start your your own business. So, uh, but as I said, from there, I had to go through this valley experience to, to get there. So I encourage people, you got to be patient with your vision when the, recognize the call when it comes, but the timing, some of it's in your hands, some of it's in the hands of a higher, a higher power. You know, Endeavor, what's really great about what you're talking about is 
that is often the case whenever we we feel a calling to do something that's different or scary mm-hmm. or so, something we you know haven't been trained to do you know like start a business or you know do something that our families would be would question us on the criticism comes from all different places there's the inner critic that tells us we're not good enough it makes us look back and look what regret and question and maybe I should have done this and maybe I'm not capable of this and then there are the people like even the people who love you who will say, well, why are you, why are you, why do you want to do that? Like, like, are you sure? And really what's going on with the people who love you, who are questioning you is they don't think that they could do it. Yeah. Right. Cause they haven't done mm-hmm. it and they don't want to see you fail. So they'll try to encourage you to do something that's a little more safe, mm-hmm. but they're looking at it through their eyes, you know, and you got, you have to keep that in perspective. And I heard somebody say recently, which what I, I thought was just brilliant was don't take advice from somebody who hasn't already done what you're looking to do. So you talk about writing a book. If somebody hasn't written a book, don't take their advice on writing a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't listen to their opinion about being an author or what it's going to take and how hard it is. Talk to somebody who's done it. So I just I loved how you talked about like as soon as you had this wonderful vision, this calling Mm -hmm. to do something and immediately afterwards was the valley. You know, so that's that's really great. Okay, And Deborah, what I want everyone to get is there's no way to lead. We're all different and we're going to lead differently. So how would you describe your leadership style? Participatory, interactive, very, uh, very people focused and caring. (laughs) as well. Because even in my um, work, uh, again, I mentioned I'm actually in Charlottesville and did some coach- coaching sessions today. But, you know, the whole person uh, concept, they may come in to talk about some concrete piece of uh, an issue they have back at work. But I always kind of link it back to uh, uh, who they are personally and how they're picking up lessons along the way. And Deborah, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Hmm. Actually, again, to be transparent, uh, I am uh, in the process of being um, uh, in training uh, to be a minister. <laughs> really? Yes, yes. Tell me, tell me about yes, it. Yes, yes. So uh, another calling. And as I reflect back, um, you know, God's had that calling on my life, probably most of my life, uh, but I probably first revealed about. 20 years ago, and then I realized he had some more things he wanted me to go through uh, before uh, again confirming the uh, uh, the calling. So uh, my mom passed uh, five years ago, and uh, that was another one of those valley uh, experience. I was you know very very devastated from that that loss. My and my determined <laughs> uh, single parent uh, mother and. Uh, I heard a couple of uh, scriptures that uh, reminded me that sometimes in the midst of a uh, a pivotal, uh, important loss, uh, like the loss of a parent or the transition of a parent, uh, uh, that's when uh, God can reveal himself in uh, some new ways and and uh, lead to a transformation uh, in your in your life. And uh, such was the case with me. And there were some other signs that uh, God had placed in my life. And then uh, actually two years ago, I was, I, I was speaking, I was invited to speak at a, 
uh, I'm Baptist at a church for uh, for their Women's Day program. And uh, when I came back from that uh, speaking engagement, it uh, was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, and talking to some other ministers, I was actually doing some uh, uh, work at my church. I'm actually the lead for our small business ministry, and I've been doing that for three years. So uh, so yeah. So then you know, God confirmed His calling for me to to preach. So. Uh, so my pastor at my church runs a minister's institute, and we meet two Saturdays a month and go over you know, the concepts and principles around pre- preaching and, of course, scripture. And then uh, there was a 300 scripture word study uh, that I've actually completed that. So for each scripture, there are five questions. So, so it's, been a, it's been almost a two-year process now. <laughs> So Deborah, when you talked about getting a calling to be a consultant, you described it as a vision. But this time, you it seems as if you refer to it more like you had a feeling. Uh-huh. Um, what was it? like? Because I'm sure some people are curious about their own callings <laughs> and how do I know it for what it is. How did you know that God was working through you? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I mentioned there are some, some signs. <laughs> as well. And, and, you know, the feet, what other people were seeing and hearing from me. And as I said, you know, I grew up, my mother made sure that, you know, all her children, you know, we were baptized when we were nine. So that, that love of the Lord and, you know, being in Sunday school and singing, and being involved in, uh, in church. And then in some of my worst moments of life, I, I know God has revealed himself to me in a way to make sure I understand that, you know, again, trust him, <laughs> And uh, that he ultimately has the plan for our lives and, um, you know, getting uh, excited about his his word and learning more about his word has uh, just become so, so real and inspirational uh, to me. And then as a helper, <laughs> as a people person, certainly you know, in preaching the, the gospel, putting, as I said, rightly dividing the word of, of truth so that uh, people can be saved and have, have their salvation and depend on God in their, their daily lives. So, mm, so what I'm hearing from you is it was a combination of your own excitement and enthusiasm around what you were doing was making you feel enlivened. And you were also getting feedback from others uh-huh. that they, they were witnessing something in you uh-huh. that they probably hadn't seen before. That is really yeah, great. So the way God uh, has spoken to me, I, again, as you know, I'm, I'm an author and particularly my first book is my autobiography. And I know he placed that book in my, my spirit. And I wrote that also after my mother passed away, but I started on a version of it like 20 years before that. Mm-hmm. So all in his time and, um, you know, just, yeah, like I said, just the way he speaks to me. And I say, it's important to everyone, you know, people of faith understand how God speaks to them and how he works in their lives. Okay, now we're going to do some a couple of quick questions. Okay. So what is one practice that makes you a better leader? Now, because of social media, <laughs> it is I uh, subscribe to a number of um, uh, consultants' websites. So getting those daily reminders, certainly also on Facebook, the same thing. I like a lot of pages having to do with you know, leadership and, and life issues. So making sure daily I am getting some uh, some nugget, <laughs> a dose of inspiration uh, that also reminds me that I am doing the work that I'm supposed to do. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? 
Well, again, my uh, I actually have two, but uh, I've actually I said I wrote my autobiography, and that has a lot about the humble beginnings piece and how it helped develop my leadership and some other stories. I've uh, I've also written a a leadership book uh, based on the life of my late favorite uncle, and we served in the army uh, together, and that's actually called Hardcore uh, Leadership. Uh, but aside from those two, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know, of course, he goes through those very, you know, concrete steps, you know, begin with the end and in mind, for example, and having your your personal mission statement. So so those are just invaluable because they will also encourage you to do some of the work around who you are <laughs> and uh, and what you see your mission and your purpose you are. And uh, and the relationship piece is also embedded in uh, those seven habits. And it's just, it, yeah, and it's just, you know, the way the, the tone of the book is just, I think, absolutely uh, wonderful. And Deborah, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? A couple of things that get me in, in trouble. And one is expectations. I, I did share that uh, when I went my first real Valley experience that I also was at a point where I thought I was going to be married by the time I was 30. <laughs> So it's expectations, and it uh, they've got me in trouble in, in other other ways. So so yeah, so I would go back, uh, particularly to uh, to that point, and probably reassess my uh, my expectations of myself, and and not uh, allow myself to be too concerned <laughs> with other people's expectations uh, of me. And even now, working as a coach, you know, facilitator and trainer. Uh, I'm, I'm very mindful of that uh, when I do ground rules, for example, or guidelines for our, our time together in the, uh, in the classroom. So, uh, and I know the origins of some of that. I mentioned those responsibility and accountability concepts. Like everything else, they have to be balanced. You know, and, and realize sometimes what things I'm responsible for and what things I'm uh, not responsible for. <laughs> mm, it's incredibly freeing huh? when we stop... When we ha- stop having such high expectations of ourselves, yep. it can be freeing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no book that says certain things have to happen by the time you're a certain age. <laughs> and right. uh, and I, I think I had really just taken that to heart. As I said, I got as far as even uh, thinking of name my, what I was going to name my first child. <laughs> yeah, yes. Put, putting the cart before uh-huh. the horse. Right. Instead of just living life yep. and enjoying it and letting un- it unfold the way it is, you had this plan and it didn't go that yeah. way. Yeah. Awesome. And lastly, Deborah, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Okay. My, uh, my company is uh, the DPJ Training Group. And uh, let me just say a, a, a piece about why it's the DPJ Training Group. Most people think it's Deborah Parker and they're not sure what the J stands for. But it's actually Deborah, Pearl, and Joseph. Uh, Pearl and Joseph being my late maternal grandparents, I mentioned that you know we did live with them, and I consider them to be two of the wisest people I've ever known. Uh, one had a third grade education, the other one had a fourth grade education. Uh, again, you know, based on kind of where we were in the society uh, the, at this time, particularly in the rural areas, uh, but they had that they lived by their wits and had lots. Of, of wisdom. So, uh, so I honor them. Uh, I said, now they're my spiritual business associates. So the DPJ training And of course, if you just d- Google my name and it is Deborah, the long version, uh, L Parker, 
some information about my uh, my books will come up. I'm also on Facebook, uh, Google Plus, and on LinkedIn. So through either one of those social media outlets, uh, you will be able to find me. <laughs> and you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Deborah, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Okay, thanks so much, Jody. It's been a pleasure to really spend some time talking to you as well, and I appreciate the connection. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.